America is underway here on ESPN Plus on Thanksgiving Day. Hercules Gomez and Sebastian Salazar. Herc, always, always great to spend time with you, but especially so on a holiday. How you doing, my man? I'm good. I'm hoping this is the only holiday we ever spend together. <laughs> Thank you. For that. I do like your shirt, though, the uh, Raul Jimenez Wolves look. Very uh, classy yeah. there. That top, I don't know what's going on there. Looks like somebody missed the Lumberjack Conference earlier this week. Plenty coming up in this show. Are using the conference joke? A special edition of Football Americas. We are going to solely focus here on CONCACAF World Cup qualifying. So we got top 10 moments from the octagonal so far. We got the top 10 goals from the octagonal so far. But we're going to start the show with the first, Herc, of five burning questions that we've put together with just six games left in CONCACAF's World Cup qualifying cycle. Let's start with the U.S. and Mexico. Let's start with the managers. Who do you have more faith in moving forward? Greg Berhalter of the United States or Gerardo Tata Martino of Mexico? Oh, it's Greg Berhalter and it's not even close. I know that I've given Greg Berhalter a ton of heat. I know I've said this is a very inexperienced group, excuse me, and probably the most green of them all is Greg Berhalter. That said, this piece, Greg Berhalter, he's smart enough to understand when he got it wrong. And he's humble enough to accept that, to adapt, move on, and get better. Something that I don't think Tata Martino is. Greg Berhalter may get lineups wrong, but he is a wizard at fixing those. Second half adjustments, those are his thing. And he's got a great repertoire when it comes to the player and manager. Something Tata Martino does not. I worry about Tata Martino and his judgment. His pulse on the domestic league, which Greg Berhalter has a very good pulse on Major League Soccer. I don't think Tata Martino has a very good pulse on Liga Mekis. When it comes to player relations, that deteriorating player relation, those vetados, if you will, he keeps blacklisting players. He prioritizes his own personal experiences with these players over the sporting experiences these players could have on the national team. And ultimately, his stubbornness, his, his unwillingness to change for the greater good. I have to go with Greg Berhalter. So... I have far less confidence in Tata Martino than I have in Greg Berhalter. But since you're throwing praise all over the U.S. manager, let me ask you this. What's your biggest complaint about him? Is it player selection, right? The guys that he calls into the team or chooses to leave out. Is it the starting lineups, which have been heavily criticized? Is it maybe the in-game management? Or is it something like performances? Because if you're going to go down the line of performances, I think you're being too critical and way too harsh. No. no U.S. team and really no Mexico team has ever dominated from a performance standpoint in CONCACAF and certainly not away. Correct. You know, it's more of him being a wild card because I could say he's going to have changes, but he always throws us for a loop. He always throws us for it's That's not a bad the change. Thing? Well, I'd like to know what I'm getting because if, if he's throwing You'd like us, to know so would the other coach. Well, so would his players. You know, so would a set uh, DNA, so would a set lineup, a set 11, those type of things. You can't always, and I know he praises the amount of players he's given an opportunity to. Something like 27 different players have gotten a World Cup qualifying debut. I don't necessarily think that's a good thing. Sometimes it's good to know who your players are and who you can count on. Sometimes it's good to know who you are. And sometimes I'd like to know that about the coach. So it's a little difficult. So to the point about kind of the extracurricular stuff. You mentioned Burhalter, man. He's got such a good vibe around this team. With yeah. the young players getting experience, the dual Nats. You even sense it, Herc, and I know you, because we've been out on the road. 
You sense it from fans. The engagement with the U.S. men's national team feels like it's, if not at an all-time high, at least an all-time high of over what, the last five or six years? With Mexico, it feels like the, the total opposite, right? Everything around this team, even things that have nothing to do with Tata Martino, things like the chant. Everything is very negative, playing in front of empty stadiums. There's a a great negativity around Tata Martino right now, and I never thought I would say this, but even if you just look at the the matchups between them as managers, maybe not the Gold Cup final, maybe not the Nations League final, but certainly the game in Cincinnati, the U.S. were better than Mexico. Tata Martino, who has a vastly better CV and resume, Herc, was outmanaged by Greg Berhalter in that game, wasn't he? Not the first time he's been outmanaged by Greg Berhalter. This goes back to Major League Soccer, the Atlanta versus Columbus, uh, the two finals that Mexico played. Even though Mexico was a better team, Tata kind of lost his cool, let things go away from himself, wasn't his usual self, and ended up being Greg Berhalter picking up the W, and then Cincinnati was something else, a sight to be seen. I I mentioned John Herdman in that blueprint before. If you're Tata Martino, you have to know that teams are going to play against you a certain way because somebody exposed you. He never tried to correct it. It almost seemed like... When he did try to combat the physicality, he played right into the hands of the, of the U.S. men's national team. And you talked about this negativity around El Tri. I get the sense at times that Tata mm. Martino is getting so frustrated, so fed up, he may be the one that ends up mm. walking away. Yeah, almost like he's there, not because he wants to be, but because he has to be. The golden handcuffs, if you've ever heard that expression before. And we know what his salary is, $2.2 million a year. He's got um, plenty of reasons then to stay there. W- one real quick note here on, on, Tata, or on Greg Burhalter. He's got the U.S. second. They're going to qualify. They're one point out of the top spot. And I think that's all with the context of what was missed, right? The 13 months that he didn't have to build this yep. team. You've often complained about that, but that's actually a credit to Greg Berhalter that this team is where it is, despite the fact that not only did he lose out on those 13 months, Herc, he also lost pretty much another 10, 12 months due to the pandemic. So for the the three years that Greg Berhalter has been in charge, he's really only had this team at his full disposal for a year and a half. I I think it is very, very impressive. Are you praising that? Is that a good thing that you lose 13 months? From Greg Berhalter's perspective, if okay. you want to blame the Federation no, for dragging fine, their feet for fine. 13 months, but that's 13 months that the, the, the team was moving in no direction at all. So Greg Berhalter has to start from scratch. When you give him credit for that, I think you really get a full picture of what he's been able to do uh, in this qualifying cycle through the first eight games. Let's move to the second Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Of our five burning questions here, it has to do with the U.S. men's national team and a position, Herc, that has been a carousel of sorts. The striker position. Today's question is this. Where do we find the better crop of American number nines? Is it in Major League Soccer? And we're talking about Ricardo Pepe, Daryl Dike, Giassi Zardes, or... Is it in Europe where we're talking about Josh Sargent, Jordan Peefock, and Matthew Hoppe? This is kind of an unfair question. This really is unfair because 
Statistically, we're gonna lean on the MLS nines because those are the nines that have produced with Greg Berhalter because those are the nines who have gotten more of an opportunity with Greg Berhalter. Josh Sargent, probably the only European nine that's really gotten a run and let that opportunity escape from himself. Jordan Pifak never really got a run. Uh, Matthew Hoppy has never even played as a nine for the U.S. men's national team. Daryl Diga got the gold cup. Jossie Sardes is an eternal player for Greg Berhalter. Ricardo Pepe is the nine right now, and by default, I mean, he's gone cold as well, club and country. I think it's something like seven games that he's gone cold. He's not hit the back of the net, even though I think he's been very good for the U.S. men's national team, uh, even when he's not scoring. I thought he's been, done very good things. It doesn't seem like it's been a fair run for these nine. So if we're going to go Europe versus MLS on this one, it's statistically, excuse me, in the favor of Major League Soccer by default and almost not fairly. I mean, Josh Sarge is the only one in Europe that's really gotten run. If I'm going off productivity, Herc, I think you got to give it to the guys in Major League Soccer. Right. But I wonder if you would agree with me on potential. I'm going with the three players that we talked about in Europe. So I think those three guys may have uh, quite a bit to say here in this qualifying cycle before it's all said and done. As for Berhalter's preference for the MLS guys, I wonder if you have any reason why that might be. The obvious reason would be like, well, as you mentioned, he's very familiar with the MLS player pool. He's very comfortable with it. But I feel like that might almost be oversimplifying why he's choosing these players. And the other thing is, come January, we know that the MLS players, at least two of the three, and maybe Daryl Dike, Orlando City go out early in the playoffs could be five six eight weeks without competitive soccer um, so is the is the reliance on MLS likely to change then before the January it window? should change and and it has to change more more than anything because you've mentioned that it could be a situation where Ricardo Pepe five six weeks out of action even if he gets that January camp even if he's there for that Bosnia game it's still not that game sharpness we we harp on the game sharpness for a goalkeeper now imagine a field player who's not even seen a, a real training atmosphere. You're, you're training by yourself because the CBA is in Major League Soccer or what the, whatnot. Uh, yeah, you're going to lean on the Josh Sargent. You're going to lean on the Jordan P. Fox. You're going to lean on those players like Matthew Hoppy playing abroad to get you through this next window, which is vital. So there is a game on December 18th against Bosnia and Herzegovina to be played in California. There'll be a domestic camp starting on December 5th. So there might be some opportunity for MLS guys whose seasons have come to an end early uh, to get some run there. I wonder, though, if that'll be enough. If there's a player who I think from that European pool most deserves the call-up, for me it's got to be Pifak. I know he's been a little bit cold the last couple weeks, but for this season, he's got 10 goals in 21 appearances. He's getting Champions League minutes, Herc. I don't care where he's playing. The U.S. isn't that deep at the number nine that a guy who's scoring basically a goal every other game in Europe isn't getting called in. The U.S. isn't that deep at the nine position that you're talking about Christian Pulisic playing as a false nine. That's a reality today. Uh, Ricardo Pepe, that's his position right now to lose, but he's 18 years old. He's going cold right now. If he goes into a major slump, I mean, Greg Berhalter is going to have a major decision to make in these uh, January windows because what comes next is the most critical part of this qualifying campaign. Pepe and DK also could move over the winter, so we don't know where they'll be uh, come January and that window. Question number three, Herc, brings us back to L3 and the famous list of vetados or banned players from the Mexican national team. Tata Martino, so-called lista negra, guys who are uh, not getting called in, not because of their on-field performance, but because of off-field issues. So uh, which 
of these players. Gerardo Arteaga, Carlos Salcedo, Javier Hernandez, Chicharito, just to name a few. Which is the vetado that Mexico needs the most right now? So I, I thought about this a lot. It's Arteaga. Let me tell you why. When I think about, well, they could really use a Carlos Salcedo. Well, Vasquez yeah, five years ago, passed five him by. Years ago. They could really use a player like Layun. Well, they passed him by as well. They could really use a player like Javier Hernandez. Is he really going to play over Raul Jimenez? So it leads me to believe you need to play a player like Gerardo Arteaga, easily one of the highest ceilings of all the Mexican national team players in a position of need where Gallardo is really struggling. Gallardo was one of the most dependable players on the team. Now, you don't want to see him on the field, let alone that left back position that's they keep attacking. He seems like a player that's no longer reliable. And if the issue is Arteaga denied the opportunity to go play in the Olympics because of a family situation and Tata Martino and the coaching staff are angry about that. The Federation is angry that he denied that call up. If that's the issue we're talking about, then what's going on here? Gerardo Arteaga is a quality player right now playing well, what's in a position going on of need. Is he wants somebody who's going to prioritize the national team. A youth tournament. Prioritize a U23 tournament. If he says, I have a family issue, you need to respect it. You don't turn it around and hold it against him. Listen, though. I mean, Tata Martino must have a point here, right? Mexico, for the last 30 years, has been unable to get past the round of 16 in a World Cup. They brought this guy in to change something about Mexican soccer. Is there some value to the policy of Vetados, or do you think this is simply Tata Martino being too strict, because that's the argument I would make. He's here for a reason. These moves are being taken for a reason. So, Javier Hernandez, Salcedo, Layun, Arteaga, are you denying? Montes. Are you denying that there's a history of indiscipline within the Mexican national team? No, I'm, I'm acknowledging that there's a history of being overly strict with Tata Martino on his teams. Okay. If you look at Arteaga, him saying, I can't go play because of a family situation shouldn't be held against him. If you're talking about Carlos Alteo having a brush-up with a national team coach or part of the coaching staff, which no, happens all the time. you're talking about Carlos Alteo not being ready to go into a big game. That's, that's why no, they're upset. Hold on, hold on, hold on. So take him out. He's gone. Javier Hernandez, the all-time leading goal scorer, he's gone. You seem to give Tata Martino carte blanche to do whatever he wants. Tata Martino, in your eyes, can do no wrong, Seb. And, and it's crazy to me. You blame the players. You blame the press. You blame the pressure being put on Tata Martino. At what point do you blame Tata Martino? I just told you I had no confidence in Tata Martino. Now you're telling me I'm on the uh, Tata Martino bandwagon. So my choice for Vetado to bring back is, is very simple. It's Javier Chicharito Hernandez. And there are, there are some obvious reasons. Um, one is that the number nine position... As great as Raul Jimenez is playing with Wolves, um, is not defined for me with the Mexican national team. Raul Jimenez has not come back as the same player. You pointed out last uh, earlier this week on the show that that has a lot to do with what's happening, not necessarily with Jimenez, but with the national team still. Funes Mori hasn't locked it down. Jimenez hasn't been all that productive. Why not go with a guy? Why not bring a guy in like Chicharito who's producing right now? There's no denying that when he's playing for the LA Galaxy and MLS, when he's healthy, he's finding goals. Why not have an option like that off the bench? And then beyond that, Herc, to get back to this kind of negativity around the team, to me, symbolically, bringing Chicharito Hernandez back to the group would be uh, like a salve, like a gauze put on a wound, not just to the group itself, potentially, but to the fans and the media, who right now have very much turned against Tata Martino. So you want Javier Hernandez on as a bench player? 
That's where you want him with the national I want team. Chicharito there as an option so that the next time okay. you go into it, no, the next time you go into three games, if Jimenez is ineffective in the first game and the second game, you can go to Chicharito in the third game. I'd questions. like another option. Yes, how, how especially when Funes Mori missed? isn't scoring. How many opportunities missed did Raul Jimenez have in the last window? I don't know. What are you considering an opportunity, Herc? But he didn't have any opportunities. That? It's not like the nine is missing. And, and you're talking about Rogelio Funes Mori. How many times did he come in? He didn't come in at all versus U.S. Men's National Team, at all versus Canada. This leads me to believe that Tata Martino doesn't see that as a position of worry. He doesn't feel like that's the problem. There are other places where there's a problem. If Raul Jimenez is, is missing opportunities, if he's not doing well creating, if he's not doing well bringing others in the attack, hey, fair game. Bring in Javier Hernandez. But to bring Javier Hernandez in as an option, maybe off the bench, and the circus that comes with Javier Hernandez, because you know that's what it'll be mm. when he comes back to the national team, if and when he comes back to the national team, it's going to be a media circus. Okay, so six games left in the qualifying cycle for Mexico. Let's see if Tata Martino changes his tune and invites back any of the vetados. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Question number four. Let's go to the team that right now Herc sits atop all of CONCACAF. That is none other than Canada, who lead the octagonal by one point with six games to go. Will Canada finish first, Hercules Gomez? Okay, this is going to sound crazy, but it's going to be a three-way tie. Oh, Listen to me for a second. Oh, no. Comprometete no. for once in your life. It's Mexico who's going to take it, but not the way you think. I, I Trust me. Okay, when you Did have... you really just say a three-way tie? That is the, you're sitting on two fences at once. Tri-fence. A tri-fence, <laughs> if you will. No, it sounds crazy, but I think it's going to be that tight. It's going to be Mexico. I think it'll be the U.S. men's national team, and it'll be Canada in the third position. Let me tell you why, okay? If we're talking about Canada. Canada, by the way, first let's talk about Mexico. Mexico going to play four of their last six games, remaining games, at home, okay? You have to assume those will be wins because that's what they do at Azteca. Very rarely do they not get that win. Canada, by the way, with the exception of the Honduras game, tied in Canada, has been going home win, stealing points on the road. That tried and tested formula and has gotten to first place in the octagonal today. But the remaining games, I don't feel they can do it at the same pace. I believe what I've got for them is 11 points, if I'm not mistaken, or 10 mm -hmm. points. And then I have 11 for the U.S. men's national team and 12 for Mexico. I just think the remaining games, it's, I'm going in circles here because trust me, these games are yep. crazy, but it's the home games that do it for me for Mexico. Despite all the evidence here, I feel like not just you, Herc, but a lot of pundits are very slow to buy in on Canada. Not that Canada are going to qualify for the World Cup or not that they're going to finish top three, but the actual truth, which is that Canada right now are the best team in CONCACAF. They're the only team that's unbeaten in the octagonal. They've gone away to Mexico, and they've gone away to the United States. So their toughest two games in CONCACAF, 
They've gone and they've gotten points on the road. I, I don't know what I more you want. I told you this want. a month ago. No, but you. But a, a couple weeks ago on the show, you weren't willing to say they were the best team in CONCACAF. You wouldn't say they were the most no, talented no, no, before no, they no, wiped different, the floor different. with Mexico. You, you think they will end up first? Yes, I do think they will end up first. And I have no, no hesitation to say that. This is not something overnight for Canada, Herc. They hired John Herdman in 2018. Mm -hmm. They pulled him over after seven years with the women's national team. A controversial and risky move, by the way. So those 13 months that Greg Berhalter didn't have, John Herdman had those 13 months to work on this team. You remember the game in 2019 in Toronto when they beat the United States right. very convincingly, a smashing performance. This is Christian Pulisic building, fever game. This has been building in the works for Canada. We got to buy in. Here's the bottom line with this team. You've said they've got the best manager in the region. There's no doubt they've got the best player mm -hmm. in the region, Alfonso Davies. You've argued mm -hmm. anybody who follows you on Twitter will tell you you think they've got the best nine in the region in Jonathan David. That's not mentioning Kyle Aaron, who dropped a brace against Mexico. So now they've got the best nine depth in the region as well. How are they not the favorites? How are they not the best team in the region, Hurt? They're one injury away from being a very mediocre team. What is the United States and Mexico? Those teams might not even need an injury to be. Those teams might not even need an injury to be mediocre. injury for Mexico? Chucky Lozano, Raúl oh, Jiménez, Edson Álvarez. Those on. one injuries wouldn't wouldn't hurt Mexico. If you want to book it, I will book you it with you. You want to make it enough? You want to make? You say they're just Alfonso Davies. That's no, all they have no, to. No, no, I say so he's, he's that injury? important to him. He's that important to him. And, say, ah, and he okay. changes everything for him. And I think every Canadian fan and pundit will tell you the exact same thing. I have Mexico because they're the only team who plays the last, I mean, four games at home out of the last six games. I've got them winning those games and winning the heck or the octagonal. Okay. If you're we'll different, it, tell me. If you want to book it, tell me. I will let's take the field it. over Canada. Let's book it. I'm taking Canada to win the octagonal right here. Double eight or nothing games on that in. one bet, and you know what bet I'm talking about. Yes, the one that I won that you owe me a pair of shoes for. Okay, yes. double or nothing double on or that. Nothing. Okay, fair okay. enough. Okay, uh, for our next question, let's take a look at where the table stands. Eight games into these uh, 14 matches, Herc. So there you see it, Canada, U.S., and Mexico in your top three, and Panama there in fourth, though technically uh, tied with Mexico in third, just behind on goal differential. So for this question, we're kind of assuming that Canada, the U.S., and Mexico are going to make it. You could say that's a big assumption. Uh, that's fine. Currently, Panama sit fourth, Hurt. Who do you think will grab the spot in the intercontinental playoff from CONCACAF? Will it be Panama, who right now hold that position? Yeah, I mean, if you're going to spot me five points, I'll take the five points and take Panama because they're five points ahead of the closest team chasing them. So I'm going to take Panama. Listen, they're a very good team. You don't come back multiple times in the octagonal and win if you're not a strong team. Even if they don't do well, okay? Even if all they get are five, six points, that's still 20 points. I don't see Jamaica, who will need 13 points to get to that 20. I don't see Costa Rica, who will need 11 points to get to that 20, surpassing them. It's a numbers game. I really feel like this is a four-horse race. In Panama right now, I don't think anybody's touching that fourth place. So your pick when we started was Costa Rica. They're five points back. My pick when we started was Jamaica, who are seven points back. You're not sticking with your pick. But I am going to stick with Jamaica. Now, uh, they've got four games unbeaten in qualifying, Herc. That's great news. The only problem is 
They've won only one of those games. But I think for Jamaica, it's going to come down to their next two qualifiers. Absolutely decisive on the 27th of January and then the 30th of January. They're home against Mexico on the 27th. Then they go away against Panama on the 30th. Those two games determine whether Jamaica will be able to make a run and close that seven-point gap on Panama. Here's why. Jamaica, three of their last four are at home, and they are very winnable games. They got Costa Rica, El Salvador, and Honduras in Kingston at the office. Three of the last four mashed in there with an away trip to Panama. It's a nice, nice late schedule for Jamaica, Herc. Panama needs to win five points out of remaining 18, okay? You're telling me that Jamaica will get 13 out of the remaining 18? That's quite a run. I'm telling you, if they get something from Mexico at home and something from Panama away, right, that's four points plus another nine that you could get from those three home games I just mentioned. There it is. There's your points you needed, right? They've got one game, one game that's room for air. Okay. All right. All right. All right. I'm just stubborn. I'm just stubborn. I'm, pr I'm pride. This is all about pride. I'm just I guess. I'm sticking with Jamaica, uh, who I picked, whatever, uh, three, four months ago. I picked right. Canada. We got, one, we got one bonus question, I'm told. We've worked our way through five burning questions, but one bonus question, which shouldn't actually take a lot of time now that I see it. Who has been the best player so far in CONCACAF? in the octagonal. Okay, so this isn't a st statistical award because it's gonna be very difficult to give it to any one of these players. But it's Alfonso Davies. It's, it's, it's the way he impacts the game. It's the way he can stretch the field. It's the way he can take you on. It's the way he can play make. It's the way he can play anywhere in the front line. It's the way the defenders have to occupy him, have to always be mindful of him. It's the way he makes his team better. He's the best player in this federation. He's the best player in CONCACAF. He's the only player that if he's not there, his national team will struggle. This man by himself changes games, makes everybody else around him better, and he never has an off day. I love what you say there about his impact on his team because it is overwhelming, right? Every time that Alfonso Davies plays for Canada, he is great for Canada, and certainly he boosts the level of those around him. But particularly, it's the impact on other teams. What did we see from Mexico uh, in the game against Canada away? They go to a back five. That is clearly not what Tata Martino wanted to do. And I got to think that a huge part of that, Herc, is down to his fear, Tata Martino's in this case, of Alfonso Davies and what he and Tejan Buchanan can do. So to me, it's a very obvious answer, Alfonso Davies, because he impacts not just what Canada's going to do, but what the opposition is going to do as well. What's disappointing here is how easy this question is to answer, Herc. And what that tells us is the other stars from around the region have been ghosts so far, certainly have not lived up to the level of Alfonso Davies. I'm talking about guys like Chucky Lozano. I'm talking about guys like Christian Pulisic. These players who are playing at exceptionally high levels are not doing so in CONCACAF, at least consistently in the way that Davies is. Yeah, think about it. Jamaica, Mikel Antonio, he's only played three games. If you go other teams who has really stood out, like, like Alfonso Davies, the big stars like Raul Jimenez, Tecatito Corona, haven't really impacted the game the way you would want. Kaylor's injury, Kaylor Navas for Costa Rica. Uh, you keep going down the line of players who are star players, impact players, and none of them, none of them come close to Alfonso Davies in the impact Yes, maybe, maybe Jonathan David, Kyle Lahren statistically, but both those players are impacted by the benefit of Alfonso Davies.
Yeah, no, it's uh, it's pretty clear who the best player is in CONCACAF most weeks, but it has certainly been clear throughout World Cup qualifying that it is Alfonso Davies and Canada. So there we have it, Herc. We've worked our way through our burning questions here on Football Americas as it comes to CONCACAF World Cup qualifying. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Let's bring you now the top 10 moments so far. Let's start with number 10. The aforementioned Mikel Antonio scores for Jamaica in just his second game with the Reggae Boys. Antonio Hurt, probably the biggest name dual national that Jamaica has added to their program in recent years. Yeah, 31 years old, scores his first international goal. This is everything. Strength, pace, technical skill, the ability, the vision to see the goalkeeper. Delicate touch with the left foot. Silky goal. Comes in a 1-1 draw for Jamaica against El Salvador. Number nine, history in Panama City at the Estadio Romel Fernandez. Back in match day five, Panama hosting the U.S. and Panama beating the United States for the first time ever hurt in World Cup qualifying. That's a G we're, on, we're on the same page here. Giassi's art his own goal, right? But, but look I, what it meant to them. Like, it, he literally has tears in his eyes celebrating this goal. This is what it means to Panama. Anibal Godoy, the game winner in that game for Panama. Probably a low point to her for the United States there. Remember, that was a Burhalter seven changes uh, game. Number eight, back to match day one we go. The U.S. visiting El Cuscatlan. The Roldan brothers of yeah. Seattle facing off against each other on the international stage. Uh, Alex got the start, played the full 90 for El Salvador. Christian Roldan subbing on for the last 12 minutes. Guatemala, El Salvador, and the U.S. men's national team, the eligibility for these two. The coolest thing about this, Cesar and Ana Roldan, their parents were on we're actually in uh, the stadium to watch this. It's pretty cool. Game ended in a 0-0 draw. Number seven, this isn't really good, Herc, but it is important. USA-Costa Rica in Columbus, match day six. Costa Rica and the United States were tied 1-1 at the half when Kaylor Navas went out injured. He was replaced by Leonel Moreira, and uh, the U.S. would eventually get their game winner off an own goal from Moreira. Yeah, very unlucky from Moreira. Very difficult to come in halftime cold like that. Off Moreira and into the goal. Off a Timothy Weah strike. Unlucky. Now this absence has uh, cost Costa Rica. He, Moreira also at fault on a goal in the 1-0 loss away to Canada. Number six, great moment for Raul Jimenez after a long injury layoff. He returns to the score sheet for Mexico in match day six. The 2-0 win away at El Salvador. 10 months, 26 days. That's 330 days since his last goal. Unbelievable. Raul Jimenez converting for L3 for the first time in almost 11 months. Number five, Canada. This one hurt kind of multiple moments as Canada secured points away against both the United States and Mexico, a historic achievement in CONCACAF. There's a reason that that's never happened before. El3 and the U.S. Men's National Team have dominated the region. And for Canada to do that in the same cycle, and arguably should have won, I don't even think it's arguable, in El3, or, or excuse me, in Azteca, is incredible. Canada trying to make it to the first World Cup in 35 years. Number four, Ricardo Pepe making his U.S. debut 
in Honduras and delivering with a goal and at least one assist. They might have given credit for two. Herc, you call this a performance that saved Greg Berhalter's job. Yeah, you know the craziest thing about that? He became the second youngest player to score a World Cup qualifying goal behind only Christian Pulisic. The guy's 18 years old and he's saving people's jobs. And it was the timing of it too, right? Not far removed from the decision to pick the U.S. over Mexico. Number three, Snow Classico 2.0. Oh. Mexico frozen at the Azteca in Edmonton. Kyle Lair in a brace as Canada beats Mexico 2-1 to go top of CONCACAF. I'm disappointed in production. They went with Snow Classico 2.0 instead of the Ice Azteca. Mm, opportunity lost. It was a, a high point for Canada, no doubt about that. A low point for Mexico as well. Kyle Lahren, the star, as he scores up both goals for Canada, who get it done over Mexico. Number two, a historic comeback. Match day seven, Honduras. Jumped out to a 2-0 lead at home, only to see Panama score three goals in eight minutes in the second half to win 3-2, Herc. Did you say three goals in eight minutes? Do you know how crazy yep. it is to come back at all, let alone three goals in eight minutes? Eh, there's a reason I picked Panama as my fourth. This is the uh, first game for Honduras with Bolio Gomez in charge. He, of course, took Panama to the 2018 World Cup. Our number one moment. We go to Cincinnati, the U.S. 2-0 win over Mexico. None other than Christian Pulisic's ultimate clapback at Memochoa. Yes, it's the game-winning goal, but it's the celebration afterwards hurt the man in the mirror. So you said this was a Memo Ochoa error. I don't think the goal is an error. You know what the error was? Giving trash this in a rivalry man, week. yes, material. Do not light his fire. Do not fuel these kids. That was the error. Memo Ochoa then very much the goat of Dos Acero, whether you think it was for on-field performance or off-field chatter. Christian Pulisic very much hurt the hero of that game with his game winner in the 74th minute, just five minutes after coming on for the U.S. against Mexico. He's Hercules Gomez. I'm Sebastian Salazar. Thanks so much for hanging out with us here on Football Americas. Happy Turkey uh, Day. On your Thanksgiving. Enjoy the rest of your Thanksgiving Day weekend. Enjoy the We will be back tomorrow. on Monday with all the latest from Major League Soccer and uh, Liga MX and the USL Championship as well. All of that. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. We will see you on Monday. Turkey Tostadas.